listeners. Hope everybody's doing well. It's been a little bit of time since my last uh, podcast, which I guess is a good thing because that means I just don't have the time to do one and uh, I'm too busy doing other stuff. So I guess that's positive, right? <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to uh, do a chat session. This actually could have went on the uh, We Push Back channel, which I'll probably upload it to that as well, uh, or just a regular Justice to Pros podcast, but I'm probably going to add a lot of... Um, my own opinion. I'll insert that a few times. And also, to be honest, I like this studio, so I wanted to relax in the studio a little bit. And uh, I guess utilize it, because I only used it for the one teaser clip, so I figured let me use it for the official uh, first episode with the new studio. I, I wanted to dive in. I've done an episode in the past about lying informants and their enablers and how I feel about all that, but I wanted to d dive in a little bit more on that. I wanted to dive into how uh, somewhat of what some of these uh, hosts who host these line informants do. It's very contradictory. You know, they'll say certain things um, and, and it just contradicts what they're putting out there. And sometimes I got to ask myself, am I the only person who sees this? But then I'll talk to my real friends in real life and uh, family members and things like that and, and people who have been impacted by lying informants and they're on the same page as me. So I know I'm not nuts with certain things. Just with YouTube, you got to second guess yourself sometimes and remind yourself, uh, or I should say check in on yourself now and again to make sure you're not going down the uh, rabbit hole of lunacy, which tends to exist on uh, social media, specifically on um, YouTube. So I wanted to kind of just explore that a little bit and give my feelings, uh, maybe some other topics too I'm going to dive into since it is a, a chat session. But initially I wanted to talk about that and what, what kind of made me want to talk about that is um, recently, which is no news to anybody who feels a certain way about these lying informants or, or has been following them or has been following We Push Back, all the different examples that I put, put out, whereas they're just lying time and again. Uh, I always think of that Mikey Scars. I put up a, a Mikey Scars testimony from one of his cross-examinations because so many people tend to come on here and say, well, I don't think he's lying. Well, one of the defense attorney uh, proved his lying on, the, uh, on his cross, and that's, that's on the We Pushback website. And there's countless other um, uh, citations uh, regarding that informant being a liar. Uh, again, when you talk to people that were affected, they have a much different opinion than people on the internet who just want to say, oh, I don't think he's lying, where they just judge it by how he presents himself as opposed to actually uh, vetting that and seeing if that statement's true. And little by little, as I go through different informants, I really haven't found one yet that hasn't been caught in a lie. Um, so I wanted to dive into... Uh, one of the uh, episodes my uh, office uh, captured recently had to do with that um, lying informant, Sammy Gravano. And, uh, you know, people were saying that he made a comment along the lines where he confessed to a murder, but he said he didn't uh, tell the government about that. And I know uh, knee-jerk reaction from the public, which I would understand, is that they're asking themselves, well, how could this guy... Uh, Admit to, a admit to a crime on a public format that he didn't disclose to the government. Shouldn't that have been on his, uh, on his deal? Shouldn't that have been part of his 302s and whatnot? And isn't that a problem? Well, morally, yes, I agree. It is a problem. And uh, the keto to that is that happens way often. 
It's been happening a lot. It happens with a lot of the uh, current informants where they'll say things differently than would um, they may. It seems like almost they use that as a badge. I noticed they'll try to say, oh, well, I didn't tell the government about this. It seems somewhat of like a flex, I guess, an informant flex where they're trying to act like they got one over on the government or they're trying to impress their viewers. For whatever reason, several of them actually throw that around where they'll say, oh, I never told the government this. Now, here's the thing. To say it is one thing publicly in an entertainment uh, setting because it could be just uh, shoo-shoot away like he's just boasting. But the key here is, folks, to make it matter, it really boils down to the defense teams, the family members, uh, friends of those who may have been impacted by a specific lying informant. And let me explain on that. What I mean is a lot of these guys come on, they'll tell stories, they'll say things. Now, normally the, the general public obviously doesn't know if, he's, uh, if he already said that, if he disclosed that to the government, if it's part of his 302s. The people who will know are the ones that are vested, usually the defense team, family, friends. And what has to happen is if an informant makes some kind of disclosure along those lines where they're giving out information that in the same breath they're saying they never told the government, there's a lot of steps involved to try to explore that, to try to see if it warrants going in front of a judge, try to see if it warrants... Uh, or it could be utilized to help defendants that this informant may have impacted. The only ones that could really do anything about that um, are the defense teams of those who were impacted. And usually, let's be honest, folks, I'm not knocking attorneys. I know a lot of great attorneys, but it's like anything else. It's an occupation. So they're not vested for the rest of their life. The majority of them don't follow these podcasts don't really see what's going on because they're not vested. They may have finished their case with the client. They may have finished the relationship. So it's really not in their, in their realm any longer. And that's where those who care about the defendant impacted come into play. It's those individuals who then have to grab those captures and reach out to the defense team and say, listen, this guy disclosed this. Is it worth pursuing? And what happens is you have to then take that statement and go through the discovery. And part of the discovery um, would be the 302 sessions, the briefing sessions by the government where they interviewed this um, informant and they had him disclose all of his misgivings. And on top of that, you also have to compare it to whatever deal they may have made. Uh, you have to see the wording in the deal. Is it a blanket uh, immunity type situation where even if they may have missed something in detail, they're covering it by the wording or the verbiage that they use. They're trying to encompass anything that may have happened. So it's not as easy as an informant saying, well, I never disclosed that to the government. And then people saying, well, he's lying. This could happen. That could happen. And I'm going to be honest, folks, not a lot could happen unless you pursue it, unless the right people pursue it and the right legal team uses it as a tool to get back in front of the judge, to get back in front of the courtroom. There has to be some uh, basis to it. There has to be some meat, for lack of a better term, something that really um, allows you to get back in front of that judge, something that opens the door. So there's a lot of comparing and contrasting. So when they make these certain disclosures, you have to go back and you have to see, well, is that accurate? Did he really not tell the government? You got to go through the 302s. You got to go through the debriefings. You got to then compare the um, deal that was made as I spoke about. And I'll give you a little bit of an example. The informant John Panisi made a few disclosures that he never debriefed to, was never part of the 302s, was never part of his testimony. 
uh, without getting into too much because there's still litigation going on on the appeal level. Uh, it was part of our Rule 33, which I spoke about. And in order to get that in front of the judge, we had to compare it. We had to pull the 302s. We had to compare what he was debriefed on, what he admitted to. We had to pull his testimony. This way we knew what we were saying was valid and accurate. And then you could go in front of the judge. We were able to use the tool of a, a Rule 33 because you're allowed to use that up to three years after the end of trial. Any newly discovered evidence, you have three years after trial's over to uh, bring that to the court's attention. So we were able to use that uh, specifically with the U, uh, Rule 33 module, I guess you would call it, or um, uh, uh, I like to say the term tool because it's all different statues, all different um, uh, defense uh, uh, weapons that could be used in different ways, but you need obviously an intelligent defense team to pick and choose what could be used and what makes sense. You can't just uh, throw everything at the court and say, oh, I want to you know, see the judge again. You got to make sure there's a basis for it. You got to make sure there's a legal basis for it. And there's a tool that you could utilize to get your point across. In our case, we used the Rule 33 because it was newly discovered evidence. And once we compared it to the 302s, and the debriefings, and we saw it never existed, was never mentioned, we were able to use that. So it's kind of like the same uh, situation. You have all these informants on all these podcasts. And what we push back does on the YouTube level is very cool and it's entertaining. And I try to put things out there just to make the public think about it uh, and, and maybe go to the web website and do a little more in-depth research on it. But it's nothing that's going to change the game, folks. And I knew this from day one. And what I mean by the YouTube side is not going to change the game. That's more of an entertainment platform. It's more to draw people in. What will change the game is utilizing these different things, the right parties grabbing these different things. I've been in contact with several defense teams, and that's really what we talk about. It's not so much about what these individuals are saying. Well, it is. But my point is, they may say something. It's really the strategy in finding out how you could use what they're saying to benefit the client, benefit a loved one, benefit a friend, whatever, whoever the defendant may be. That's really the key. It's, it's, it's brainstorming with your defense team, with your family, with the defendant to see how certain things could be utilized, how certain lies that come into play could be used to perhaps get in front of the court again have them look at the case in a different way. If you're at a level where you're going for appeal, how to use it for an appeal. There's different ways, but that all requires brainstorming with your defense team. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a great legal mind. My expertise have to do with the technology side of it, the investigation side, the preparing for trial, the analyzing things, the transcript side of things. Now, I have a good basis in the law. I took many classes. I got my paralegal certification, but by no means does that make me an attorney. I defer to the attorneys for that aspect. See, I, I, I'm more of the type like um, where I'll come up with the strategies, what I want to accomplish, and then it's up to the attorney to really advise how it can be accomplished and if it can be accomplished. A lot of things that may pop into my head where I try to strategize with different teams, they then tell me, Dom, there's really no tool we could use to, um, to bring this. It's not going to be effective, and it gets shot down. But my philosophy is always you don't know until you raise the issue. I like to raise everything, even if it may sound ridiculous, it may sound not worth trying. To me, everything's worth trying. What's the worst that could happen? You find out you can't do it. Okay, 
Well, you took a few minutes of your life and you found out you got your answer rather than the what ifs, what ifs. You know, you want to really know how things work. And that's really the key, folks. And that's why, for me, my focus for We Push Back and those who support it, they, they understand it. It's really just bringing all these things into the public's attention because I'm not delusional. I know what I'm doing is not going to change the game. I know what I'm doing is not going to be on such a level where I'm changing uh, laws and statues and all that. That's not even in the existence. What I set out to do is appeal to the public because here's the truth, folks. You guys hold the power. The jury holds the power. So that's who I'm going to appeal to because that's something that I have the ability to appeal to even if it's on a microscopic scale. I could still appeal to it. I always say, right, even if I get one jury who, uh, who th looks at things a little differently, who analyzes the case a little uh, more informally, who, who gives the defendant a true fair trial, truly allows them to go through the due process, that's my goal. That's a win. That's a win. You just want to get a fair trial. So that's why I bring all these things to the attention of the public because the public's not aware of it. And it's important that the public sees how often these informants lie, how often they change their stories, how often they boast, how often they use their platform to bash people, to insult people. Because for me, that's all part of the education process. That's all part of getting the public to see what we as maybe family members know, as defense teams know, as defendants may know. We know what goes on, but the vast majority of the public does not. So how do you inform them of it? Well, luckily today we have platforms such as this where anybody could talk about it. And whoever listens, they're gaining some knowledge. So that's the angle I take. And I wanted to just talk about that because I know for a lot of people, they may say, well, how is this allowed? How is uh, Sammy Gravano allowed to admit to these things uh, if, he didn't, um, if he didn't disclose them? And as I said, it's really investigating that, making sure that's what took place. You have to pull the 302s. You have to go through the discovery. You have to make sure he's not just boasting, trying to sound... Uh, for some reason, these uh, informants think it sounds cool to boast about killing people and all this stuff you know, uh, and say how they got away with things for the government. Uh, that that Rubio, that other informant, that other clown, he, he made that mistake. He was boasting all the things he did. He destroyed evidence and it came back to bite him in the ass because the, the government's not going to let you slap them in the face. Now, listen, I have a very good handle on it. These informants are not the government's priority as far as proving that they're liars, showing that they lied. We all understand. The public needs to understand. If that happens, a lot of cases could open up again. A lot of defendants could get new trials if the government starts stepping in and saying, oh, this guy's lying. Oh, yeah, he didn't tell us that. They're going to try to sweep it under the rug for as long as they possibly can. So they really don't want it to come out. The only way it would come out is people pursuing it people making noise about it. And that's what I try to do in the sense that I don't think they're going to say, oh, we push back is making noise about it. What I do think will happen is the public will start talking about it. The public will start asking questions. The public will not be satisfied with things being swept under the lug, the rug, <laughs> the lug. What am I drinking? Under the rug. So uh, it's important for that to take place. And that's why I, I'm always grateful when people hashtag we push back, bring attention to it, because it's all part of like a uh, a process. 
all of those elements bring greater attention and greater exposure and in turn educate the public and in turn put these issues on a radar on a radar on different scales different offices may see it different levels of the law may see it it's just a matter of making noise about things when you start to make noise and you start to bring things to light they start to light they start to get attention and that's all i care about is just getting the right proper attention so hopefully down the road people start to get a more fair and balanced trial that's really the goal here just for the constitution to work the way it was intended to because that hasn't happened in a long time so trying to get back to the way the forefathers wanted this system to work i try to do my small little part to kind of rewrite the ship and get it back on course Again, I know it's a microscopic point. That's why I laugh when the haters are like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's nonsense, it's minimal. Yes, I know it's small. I know it's minimal. I'm under no delusions, but it will grow. Time will happen. How big it will grow, I don't know. But little by little, everything I'm doing is growing. Every time uh, my phone rings from somebody new, a new defense office, lately it's been a lot of family members. Uh, I made a, uh, a post about where I go into... Uh, different uh, Facebook groups uh, for loved ones who are incarcerated and I'll explain if there's anybody who is affected by lying informant and they want to just talk even if they don't even want to go on the show they just want to talk to me see what I could say and I've had a few of those conversations unfortunately some of these lying informants uh, that have impact these individuals they're not on YouTube because it wasn't an informant on like some kind of famous case or a high-profile target so it's a lot harder to uh, prove their lies, you know? So we, we came up with different strategies and different things like that. And it's more about what I find is a lot of these families are just comforted in knowing they're not alone. They've experienced um, the nastiness of the justice system when it is one-sided, when they do have a target and they just want to get that target and they're not really interested in fair trial or anything like that. And that's really what I've noticed I'm building, a, a little bit of a bond of relatability where myself and these people are able to relate on common things, things that we've experienced, things that we may have seen our loved ones go through. And that, in turn, builds word of mouth. You have the family members telling their, their defense, uh, excuse me, you have the family members of the defendants who may be incarcerated who were impacted informing one another about we push back and then things start to spread. Uh, as I uh, told the story, when I was at a facility uh, seeing a loved one, I had several uh, people, several inmates, uh, bring up We Push Back to me. And that's what it's about. It's about it just spreading, people going to the website. And there's going to be a lot of changes to the website. It's going to be enhanced in a lot of ways. Um, right now, I actually, uh, after strategizing a bit and taking some advice, I'm holding off on uploading certain things. It's almost uh, at a little bit of a stalemate right now, an intentional stalemate, where I just don't want to do anything till certain things play out. I've had certain defense teams contact me uh, with information on a few of these lying informants that are on YouTube, and we're, uh, on my end, I'm just holding things off until they go through the process they need to go through. But when the redesign comes around, I have a lot of good ideas. I'm going to probably separate the pages based on the informant. So you'll have a lying informant page. You'll have, let's just say, a John Panisi page and everything related to John Panisi on that. A um, uh, Who else is on here? Dominic Sicali page. Everything related to that lying informant on there. Michael Scar's page. Everything related to that lying informant on there. 
As lying informants come to my attention, as they pop up on YouTube, as defense teams send me information that they want to put on the site, that's all going to be populated. And that's what's been happening as well, uh, because folks, all I could do is kind of create the platform, create the concept, create what I'm looking to accomplish, and then obviously I need the assistance of a lot of the defense teams, a lot of the family members, a lot of the friends who may have been impacted by different informants that I know nothing about to educate myself on that informant or bring things to light. So it's a, it's a, a process that's organic and it grows based on those who are involved and those who are contributing. So that's kind of the phase it's at now. It's in a growing phase. Um, and I, I told you a while back, I was working on some strategic alliances and those are actually looking really good. Um, a, a few of the individuals, two of the individuals that I'm really excited about working with they're, um, let's just say they're very busy individuals. They ever, you know, they're very involved in certain things. So right now that's really what's, what's, uh, working against kind of putting that together. It's more of a scheduling thing, but I got, I got to be honest. I'm very, um, upfront with people. I just, I, I let them know right away. If it's not something you're just not into for whatever reason, you don't even got to explain it. I'm not the type to ask people, well, why, why don't you believe in it? Listen, you don't believe in it after I explained it thoroughly. You don't agree with it. That's fine. So what's good is I, I, I'm very upfront where I'll tell them right out. If it's not for you, no hard feelings. I'll move on. I just want to explain it to you. And the couple that are still interested are telling me, no, Dominic, it has nothing to do with that. If I didn't believe in it, I would have told you a couple months ago. So uh, that that gives me a little bit of resolution in knowing that I think eventually you'll get to where I want it to be with certain strategic alliances. I've had some um, channels reach out to me. They wanted to get involved in their own way, but it really wasn't a fit. Uh, as time went on, I really became much more strict as to how I want this to develop and how I want uh, whatever I control. There's things I can't control, obviously. I, I can't control what people put out. I can't control who hashtags it, things like that. I just try to um, keep it. It's my job. Let's just say it's my job to keep it on track. I, as I said, I'm the one who represents it, so I got to make sure the image I put out and the material I put out all align with it. And the supporters, they do a phenomenal job just in their own way. Um, just putting that hashtag, even if it has nothing to do with the movement, it brings attention to it. That's what uh, my goal was from day one, to really get in the algorithm, really get in the search results. And the last report I got from uh, our SEO company showed me that every month it's going up. The, the Where we show up in certain pages based on um, key terms is increasing. Uh, the amount of traffic is increasing. So everything is going up, so I know I'm on the right track. <clears throat> and as I have more time to devote to different marketing tactics and different ads that I want to run, it'll it'll all kind of go together and just keep increasing. So I'm very confident with my strategy on that level. As I always say, in life you got to prioritize, so sometimes that takes a backseat to the more pressing issues, uh, uh, things that, you know, put food on my family's table. You know, I got to focus on things like that. Uh, I have to prioritize in that in that regard, but we push back is a um, is something that's uh, near and dear to me, and I you know I'll always feel strongly about, and I'll always continue to have it grow. And I told you my um, my ultimate uh, achievement for it would be where it's organic, it grows by itself. I have ideas to um, where I could have members of the site 
No cost, nothing's going to be a cost. The purpose of having the members of the site is just so they can control their own, let's just say, lying informant. If there's a lying informant that affected their family member, they'll have access to upload whatever they want uh, related to that lying informant. So these are all ideas I have where I'll be assigning different members. I've had uh, different attorneys contact me where they have a lying informant that maybe I never heard of, I know nothing about. So I'm going to have the uh, coding team and the website team make them their own custom member number where they could go in and access only a portion of the site where they could update things relevant to their case or their client. Um, so with all that said, I think I explained uh, a little thoroughly why, even though it's shocking, and I agree, and it's very important to bring light to it. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying to gloss over it when these guys lie or when they um, uh, say that they're admitting to a crime that they never told the government about. It's always good to bring attention to it. But to do something meaningful with it, that's where it falls into the hands of those impacted, the defense team, the family members. That's where they then have to use that information, contact those affected uh, or, or contact their defense team for their loved one if they happen to be a, a loved one of somebody or a defendant and say, hey, listen, I just heard this. What could we do? What could we utilize? Is, it, is there any way we could utilize this? Is there any way, whatever the defendant's uh, situation may be, uh, if they're on appeal, they haven't filed the appeal, whatever it may be, if they're sitting in jail on a life sentence, is there a way to open up that door? Is there a way to get back in front of the judge based on what this lying informant is disclosing? That's really where it comes into play. But it's important to talk about it. It's important to mention it because, yes, at least it has the public saying, hey, look what this guy's doing. What's going on with that? You know, it makes them think. And that's the key for a jury. They have to think. They have to be free thinkers. They can't just go with the narrative. They have to hear all sides and then use their own logic, their own philosophy, their own beliefs to really render a decision. And all of those elements, all the exposure, talking about these things, it all helps. It all helps, folks. Even on, uh, you know, a small captured audience on YouTube who may come across the channels, it still helps. It still helps. You get one person seeing it that you didn't get. That's one new person. And that's why I wanted to get into the, the, the ones who hosted. I noticed a couple of them. They really want to have the best of both worlds. And, and that just doesn't fly with me. It flies with a lot of people. To that, I don't understand, but it doesn't fly with me, and I'll tell you why. From my perspective, and that's why I want to do this on the chat session, this is heavily opinionated here. From my perspective, you cannot in one breath say, oh, look at this lying informant, he's lying, this guy, look at all the damage he did to this family, and this and that. And then in the next breath, you're doing episode after episode, hosting these same lying informants who lie on different family members, who lie on defendants, who attack family members, who, who use a platform to get revenge. How many times we hear these guys abusing people from their former life? So now you're going to host that. You're going to make money off of it. And let's not fool each other, folks. It's all about the money. Clicks, views, and money. They put them on because they got a name. They could use hashtags of maybe famous defendants that they impacted in their episode to bring viewers in. So they're making monies off the defendants. They're making money off of the family. They're making money off of the informant. They're just making money all around. And they want the best of both worlds, see? They'll want to put them on and let them tell their nonsense, let these informants lie, let them insult people, let them insult defendants, let them insult family members. And then they want to do another episode talking about another informant who they just may not like and talk about how bad the guy is. 
Now, am I crazy or is that contradictory? See, I, I just don't get that. To me, that doesn't make sense. To me, that's a person who doesn't even know who they are. They don't believe in anything. They're just trying to see where they can get an audience, where they can make the, the most money. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be sponsored. They'll be sponsored. They'll have their show sponsored by products sold by a lying informant and in the same breath say they're against lying informants or saying, oh, we're calling them out. No, you're not calling anybody out. You're just doing episodes on lying informants. You have some good ones and you have some bad ones depending on which lying informant you don't like. You'll have one episode where you're bragging one lying informant saying, oh, he's telling the truth just because he's attacking another informant that maybe you don't like. Well, here's why that's, to me, I'd never go that route. To me, they're all lying informants. So I'm not going to use one liar to discredit another liar. If I want to discredit the liar, I'll do it myself. I'll do it the right way. I just don't see the logic in that. It's all about credibility. You can't in one breath say these guys are lying informants, but he's telling the truth about this. Why? Because two, two uh, stool pigeons are fighting with each other? That's ridiculous to me. Let them fight with each other. They're both on the same play, play in the field. Let them say whatever they want about each other. But the truth is, if their lips are moving, I don't believe either one of them. I want to disprove both their lies. That's how I operate. I don't want to praise one and then uh, abuse another one. To me, they're the same animal. Same animal, maybe, uh, you know, a, a different species, <laughs> you know, but the same type, same type. Or I should say, same species, different animal. That's really what I should say. That's, that's what it's like. So it, it doesn't matter to me. And a lot of these hosts will play that game. You'll notice, look at their channels, look at their episodes. They'll have these informants on, praising them if they like them, talking about they're going to go in to do shows with them, uh, talking about who's sponsoring them, that it's an informant's product sponsoring them. And then they'll try to say, oh, we're exposing informants. You're not exposing anybody. You're doing a YouTube episode, and maybe you're doing an unfavorable one. Doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. It has to all be concise and it all has to follow the same guidelines. And what I mean by that is everything I do follows the same set of beliefs. Whether they're right or wrong, a lot of people disagree with me, but I don't agree with any lying informant. I won't have them on my show. I won't, I won't talk to them. I won't acknowledge them. I won't comment them. Comment back to them. I won't go to their page. I won't engage with them. If they leave a message on my page, they get immediately hidden and deleted and blocked. I want nothing to do with them. You know why? I don't know 95% of them on here. The couple I do know is only because I've seen them for, and it's not that I know them. I just know what they've done because they may have impacted a family member of mine. But just because I, I may not have any personal dealings with them, I would never... I would feel like I'm letting the other family members down by engaging with various informants. I would feel like um, I'm telling them, well, I really don't care about that because he didn't affect me and my family. I'm just going to focus on the ones that did. That's how I would feel. That's my personal opinion. So I would never do that. I feel I, I have somewhat of responsibility. A, it's against my beliefs. So it wouldn't even be an option anyway. But let's just say I wasn't that strong on it. The moral part of me that wouldn't even allow me to engage with other informants would just be that I can't do that to another family member. If I want people to respect what I'm saying and, and respect how a certain informant may have impacted somebody I know, then I should respect that person as well. I should respect that a different informant may have had a major impact on that person.
And, and I think that's why I, I feel so strongly about it, about the fact that you can't pick and choose informants because I, I almost take insult for those who may have been impacted and how they would feel if, uh, you know, with, with me going around saying, well, I don't think this guy's a liar, but yet this guy lied on their family and one of their loved ones is away because of those lies. I, I feel like I'm minimalizing their pain and what they experienced and not really have their back. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, those are the backs of the people I am going to have. I'm going to have the backs of the people who are on, who've experienced what I've experienced, who may have, uh, excuse my hand for a minute, I'm just trying to fix something. Yeah, who may have went through something similar that, that I went through or my family has went through. So that's why, for me, you can't pick and choose. And that's why, for me, when these um, uh, those who host these informants try to play both sides, you know, they're, they're burning both sides of the candle, I see right through it, and I have no respect for it. Um, you can't ride the fence and, and try to get the best of both worlds. You, you want to be buddies with the informants you like. You want to go on shows with them. You want to give them your platform to abuse people, to insult people. You want to take money from their sponsorships of whatever nonsense product they're so selling. You want to brag it. You want to talk about shows you're going to be doing with them. And then at the same tone, you want to say, oh, but, I, you know, th this guy's lying, so I feel bad for the family and this and that. No, no, no. In my opinion, you can't pick and choose. You can't pick and choose. To me, that means you have no backbone. That means you just flip-flop with the wind. You go where the money is. That's all it boils down to. You go where the money is. You get monies on uh, informants uh, episodes. That's just a fact, especially when you start ha high hashtagging the high-profile targets that informant may have um, participated in a case with. So it's all a game, and that's what they do. And a lot of people don't see through it. And for me, it's crazy. I don't know how people don't see the contradictory nature in that. Again, only on YouTube. In the real world, everybody I talk to sees it. Uh, from whether it's lawyers to defendants to family friends, they all see it. On YouTube, it's glossed over. But I'll never gloss over that. I'm the same person on YouTube that I am in real life. So if I don't agree with it in real life, I'm not going to agree with it on YouTube for the sake of, I don't know, appeasing people. So that's why I know people say, well, why does he care about those who host? And why, why do I care? I care in the sense that they're the ones who are, without them, these informants would only have their one channel to go on. That's the only source they'd be able to get their BS narrative out on. But with the host, they're opening the door up for many avenues, different channels, different things. And I get it. A lot of these individuals... They don't have an opinion one way or another on informants. They don't care, I guess, if somebody lied to cost somebody their freedom. It's not that important to them. What's important to them is making money off of that. Listen, different strokes, different folks. Everybody grew up with a different set of moral beliefs, a different set of ethics. So I can't knock it. It's just not my way. It's not my way of doing things, so I can't relate to it, and I won't relate to it, and I won't even pretend I relate to it. People who try to say, oh, they're businessmen, ah, bullshit. I've been a businessman man, since I'm 21 years old when I started my own business. I didn't have to break my ethics or my morals. I was able to do things in, in a way that I was able to sleep at night. And I was comfortable doing things. So just because your motivation may be to make money, you could always tailor it to fit with your morals depending on what type of person you are. And sometimes, yeah, you can't make money if, uh, from my world anyway. If making money requires for me to throw away who I am as a person, well, then I don't want to make the money. That's an individual, an individual uh, circumstance. Everybody handles that differently. 
And, you know, it's just how you handle that. I've had many situations thrown my way where I can make money, whether it was uh, to go on certain shows. Um, I had certain clients. I think I told the story. We had a client I was making big money on. I found out something where this guy was, uh, he, uh, he was a, uh, a pedophile, a degenerate. Once I found that out and I verified that it was true, I, uh, I cut the contract immediately. And what, what, what amazed me is everybody's different because I heard about him being at a networking event like three months later and people were fine with it. So listen, hey, teach their own, but that's not for me. That's not for me. If I feel strongly about something, I don't care if there's money involved. I'm not getting involved with it. And I'm not going to do it. And these host people, you have to realize these hosts... When they're trying to get the best, I have more respect for the host who just say they like informants and that's it. They're going to, uh, they're going to interview them. They don't care about it because at least they're being honest. When you get the ones that try to straddle the fence and say, oh, well, you know, I'm bringing attention to informants and this and that. No, yeah, you're bringing a lot of attention to them. You're bringing a lot. You're giving them your, your, uh, your platform to talk about people, to spread lies. And what, you do a couple interviews where maybe you didn't like the informant and he asked him a few hard questions? See, I don't even agree with that. Don't give him any opportunity. Don't even give him a voice. If you're truly against it, you don't give him a voice. If you're not against it, yeah, you want to give him a voice. Sorry, I don't want to give him a voice. They have enough voices, okay? They have the government giving them a voice. They have YouTube giving them a voice. They have reality shows. There was reality shows on some of these informants. I don't know if you guys remember. There was like a reality show. I think it was on like VH1. This informant, he had um, like a car wash. He had it. Look it up. You'll see. Just put like informant. Uh, you could put like wise guy, reality show. You'll see. He he had a reality show. Uh, Sammy Gavrano, right? He had a freaking reality show. So they have plenty of outlets putting their voice out. They're doing magazines, interviews. They got plenty of that. You don't need to add to it. If you add to it, in my opinion, you're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. And to keep fooling people, I want to know who the naive people who actually believe that when they host these guys, they're doing some kind of good. You're not doing any good. Your credibility, in my opinion, goes right out the window the second you host them and give them a platform. And especially when they start telling stories about people. They want to tell their own stories, tell their own stories, but you ever notice they don't? They always got to bring up big names. They always got to bring up high-profile targets in their stories. Just go through, don't even take my word for it, go through all the informant channels. Look at their hashtags, look at their thumbnails, and look at their uh, titles. Then do a percentage. See how many of those hashtag titles and thumbnails represents them personally and the stories about themselves or how many represent other people who have a bigger name or a bigger high-profile target and is going to bring bigger views. Go do that experiment and you'll see what I'm talking about. And do the same thing for the guys who host them. When they put them on, look at all the hashtags. Look at the big names they'll also put in the title. It's all for the views, folks. And that's why I'm so against it and that's why I don't co-sign it and that's why I want nothing to do with the individuals who host them. Nothing to do with it. To me, they're part of the problem. That's it. I want nothing at all to do with them. So when I see them playing the, <clears throat> those games where they try to act like uh, they have compassion or they understand the families that were affected, well, your actions don't line up to that. Because one week you're saying that, the next week you're screaming how you're sponsored by some, uh, <laughs> some informant product company or how you, you're doing shows with the informants or how they're on your show and you're laughing and you, you're having a good time, which is fine. 
But don't paint it as something. It's not. Don't paint it as if you have this uh, serious belief that they shouldn't be lying and they shouldn't be telling tales on people. Don't don't play that game because you're hosting them. You're having them on. You're giving them a spotlight. You're getting them views. You're getting them attention. You're getting people to go to their channel. You're, you're building their brand bigger than it would have been without you. So you're helping them. That's the, You could twist it. They could paint it however they want. They could do episode after episode with the informants they don't like. Uh, trying to say, oh, this guy's a bad guy. and But the facts remain. There's episode after episode with informants they do like telling their stories, using their platform, using it to attack people, to tell lies about people, to kick people when they're down, people who are doing life sentences, letting them on just to tell 99% of bullshit stories in plain English, but they try to tell embarrassing stories. They try to tell stories that try to embarrass people. That's their move. And the host just sit back and enjoy it. It's like that host, uh, that guy used to co-host Panisi, having cigars, having the guy at his house, going on field trips, uh, taking their lunch packs on their school bus to go see the different field trips, you know, playing the part with the cigars in the cigar lounge, drinking. Come on, please, please. We're not all morons. Listen, I know there may be a lot of moronic people out there, but there's a lot that aren't. There's a lot that see right through it. And they see it has nothing to do with business bullshit. It has to do with the fact that a lot of these guys, and these are the facts, they're enamored with somebody who's supposedly an organized crime, whatever BS. They're enamored. In my opinion, be enamored with another grown man, that's weird to me. That's weird to me. You could respect somebody. Absolutely, yeah, I respect a lot of people. But to be so enamored with another grown man, you got to have your, your head examined for something like that. That's just odd to me. To, 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 to hero worship another grown man? Come on. It's ridiculous. It's, I can't relate to that at all. You know, we have terms for people like that. And I'm sure you've heard them throughout YouTube. But that's just insane to me. That's just insane. You could respect somebody for what they are. For maybe how they live by a certain set of beliefs. Or how they're, maybe you know them. They're good people. You could respect them. You could admire them. But to hero worship, and it's it's insane. And if you notice, that's what these hosts do. Folks, look, they go after all these organized, supposed organized crime informants, ex-organized crime who are now informants. They, they want to talk about all the nonsense and live through their stories. They're enamored by it, folks. So you got to ask yourself, if you're the family member, you're the defense team, these are the type of hosts that you think really, really want to care about the defendant side of things, really want to hear the defendant side of things, when they're just putting out material after material, bashing different defendants, allowing somebody to bash different defendants, but then they'll pick one or two informants they don't like and, and say, oh, this guy's a bad guy, and they try to use that as an equalizer to say, oh, no, but we're fair, we show both sides. No, you don't. No, you don't. Show both sides of your favorite informant. Put your favorite informant on there and then get the families that that informant infected. Then have a debate. Then you're showing both sides. But you're not showing both sides. You're showing the bad side of the informant you don't like and the good side of the informant you like. And you're letting them use your platform. You're letting them tell their stories. You're letting them abuse people, slander people, attack family members. All on your watch. So you can't pretend. You know, for the naive, I guess that game works. There's a lot of naive people who say, oh, but they're doing this and that. No, no, I see through that bullshit. 
I see exactly what they're doing. They're trying to create an equalizer that doesn't exist. In my eyes, that's not an equalizer. In my eyes, that shows me how full of you-know-what they truly are. But other people, they fall for it. They try to say, oh, uh, you know, he did this episode. He's going after informants. He's not going after anybody. He did one episode on informant he didn't like that. 90% of the time, there's about a million episodes on that informant. So the material is already flooded. So people already made up their mind. He did this. They believe this guy's a lying piece of you-know-what. Or they think he's a great guy. That's it. But to really do something that matters, that's what I'm here for. I'm not here for the clicks, for the views, for the monetization, none of that. What I'm here for is to gain attention and to do something with that attention. To let families know, to let the defendants know, hey, we got your back. We know what you're going through. Although this informant may not have affected me, may not have affected anybody I know, I can relate to you and I'm here to help you. So you need a voice, you need some ideas, you need some strategy. I'm going to try to offer what I can. And that's why... I touched at the beginning what family members need to do. If there's an informant on here that you were affected by or a def defendant, a loved one was affected by, that's where the ball starts rolling. That's where you have to utilize this stuff. You have to send it into the defense team. See if it could be used as an opportunity to get back into the court. And your, your legal team will be the ones to advise you of that. But it doesn't hurt to capture it, house it, hold on to it, give it to them, talk about it, have a discussion. Things may pop up. You may get one issue that compounds with another issue. And, and separately, they may not be that powerful. But compounded, you can now utilize that as part of your strategy. And that's what I try to relate to everybody. That's what I want everybody to kind of take away from my episodes. The purpose of these things and how they could help. And who to talk to about having them help. My office is always open to those impacted, always open. You ever want to strategize, you ever want my two cents on something, always feel free to reach out for that. I could always even put you in touch with certain people to tell you how they utilize different things, different disclosures made, or what they're currently doing now, where I may not be able to talk about it publicly, but I could, um, with the, obviously with the permission of different defense teams, I could disclose certain things to help others in similar situations. And that's what counts. It's doing something with that material, helping family, helping defendants that were per perhaps wrongfully accused of something, lied upon, or helping maybe a family member who's being defamed, being slandered by one of these informants. Help them do something about that. You know, for me, that's where my allegiance lies. My allegiance lies with people I can relate to, people who see things in the sense that it's not acceptable for an informant to come out, lie about somebody, to avoid accountability, and then seek YouTube fame and have all the help from these uh, hosts and enablers. All the help they want. Get on their shows, sponsor their shows, do co-shows, laugh, joke, go on field trips. They're getting all the help in the world. On top of getting all the help in the world from these citizens who have podcasts, they're getting help from the government. They're getting help in every way, shape, or form. You know, and it's funny, you have to realize, these informants could say these crazy things. They could talk about murders maybe they committed, didn't disclose. And it's not going to mean anything unless, as I laid out, something's done about it by those who can do something about it. The defense team, the family members, the defendant. That's the only way some of these things may come back in a way that could be productive, in a way that could be helpful. But what I find 
Very telling, folks, and the public should realize this. It'll go to show, it really goes to show how they're not on the government's radar at all as far as any of their misdoings, misdeeds, lies, falsities, disclosures. As I just explained, it's a tough process to try to bring that to the attention of the courts, right? If somebody's talking about, in a form, it's talking about a murder they may have committed and didn't disclose, right? It's, it's a process if you want to see if it has any bearing or could do any possible good to those that were impacted, right? Now, let's reverse the situation. Let's say, let's say that um, I come on here, right? Let's say I come on here and I start talking about, I don't know, crimes I committed or something I did. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's going to be the same difficult process to give me a problem? Of course not. I wouldn't give it a, a day before my doors are kicked open. And you have to realize, folks, it has to do with who's on the government's radar, who they consider a target. If you have maybe a name that uh, uh, that they they don't like, maybe they, you got a last name they just don't like, maybe you're somebody in town they just don't like. There's different different reasons for being a target. You could be a high-profile target. You could be in a small town, just a target in that town that the uh, local police don't like. It all has to do with being a target. So the public should take note of that. How the, the, In that regard, the, the system is, again, unbalanced. Uh, where you have somebody like myself that may go on, maybe I say certain things, and they'll look to maybe investigate that and explore that if somebody like me says it. But pretty much disregarded if somebody like Sammy Gavano says it or any of these inf lying informants say it. Because to them, you got to realize, they utilize them. They use them for bigger targets. They use them to get promotions. They use them to go after individuals they wanted to get a notch on their belt for. So they're not going to look to disrupt that. They're not going to look in any way to disrupt that. The only way it could even potentially get disrupted is if family makes noise, friends make noise, defendants make noise, defense teams make noise about it and bring it to the court's attention. Other than that, it's not going to really mean anything. It's just not. Now, where it means something is on the public side. That's why I chose to appeal to the public. Not that the public could do anything about it, but the public needs to be aware about it. Why? Because in turn, that'll then give them a different way of looking at things if and when the time comes they are selected to be a juror. They'll know about what goes on. They're not going to take every word out of an informant's mouth as gospel. They're going to try to, to um, cross-check it based on what goes on in the courtroom, based on exhibits perhaps, based on cross-examination. They're going to really dissect it and take their time. They're not just going to drink it all like Kool-Aid. That's what I focus on. I want people to hesitate when they're in that jury box. Hesitate, reflect, and analyze. Really think. Really analyze the situation. That's what needs to be done. And that's what I appeal to. And that's why I wanted to do a chat session about my feelings with these hosts and those who enable them. Because time and again, I see... Uh, and it isn't just one. I've seen a couple of them where they try to play both sides of the fence and in one breath... What these line informants do, uh, do is no good. And then next breath, they're hosting them time and again. They're paying them for interviews. They're giving them a platform. To me, th they have no credibility when that happens. Zero credibility. I take everything out of their mouth with a grain of, small, of salt. 
As far as sincerity goes, I think when their lips are moving, that automatically tells me they're insincere. Okay? That's how I view it. That's how I view it. Not everybody views it that way. Obviously, just look at YouTube. Look at the company a lot of these uh, hosts keep. People are comfortable with it. I'm not. I'm not comfortable with it. You're going to allow a lying informant, a platform, you're going to let him tell lies about people? What about their family? What about their friends? What about their loved ones? What about the defendants that may be doing life in prison based on this guy testifying against them? And the host of the guy who testified against them is doing show after show, getting sponsored by them, hanging out with them, talking about big projects for the future. And then if you notice, folks, when certain things fall apart, you know, these guys think that they're, I don't know, they think they're ahead of certain people when they're just not, when they're very transparent. You know, they'll talk about in past episodes how they have these big plans, right, with informants. I've seen this play out. I'm going to do this with an informant. We're going to be doing the shows. We're going to be getting sponsored, right? Then something happens, something personal now. It's not something morally. Remember that. That's what's important. This isn't morally, personally. Something personally may happen. They get into a lover's quarrel. They get into a spat. And that informant latches onto another host. Then you'll see that original host uh, do a 180, right? Then you don't like informants no more. Then, then uh, they're no good. Then we're not going to deal with certain informants. Folks, it all just has to do with who's in the picture at that moment. Because people like that, another informant will come around and they'll redo the exact same thing. They do it time and again. Just look at their track records of these hosts, folks. Look at who they have on their show. Look at who they're comfortable calling friend. Look who they're comfortable talking to, platforming, accepting money from, from sponsorships, accepting money, paying money to have them on their show. Think of all these elements. Then ask yourself, are they really sincere? Do they really care? And I'm really appealing. I'm not appealing to just the general public here because everybody's going to look at that differently, and I get that. I'm appealing to the family, to the friends, to the defendants, and to the defense teams of those impacted. When you start looking at these shows and those who host them, you got to really ask yourself, what are these hosts doing? What good or bad are they doing? Look at their library. Look at past shows they did. So I, I, I'm just saying you need to look at that, folks. And remember, for the family, for the friends, defenders, defense team, I got your back. And when I say you got your back, I'm not just saying that. I got your back. And my behavior will reflect that I have your back. You won't see any inconsistencies on my end. You won't see me placating to those who host informants. You won't see me having relationships with them. It's not going to happen. So when I tell you I got your back, I truly mean I got your back. And when I tell you... I'll be a voice for the voiceless. That's what I mean. In the sense that a lot of these families, they don't want to talk. They don't want to really air certain things out. And I get it. So that's where I come in. That's where I'm, I'm able to offer whatever I can offer. I have several uh, family members that I've met through here that they don't want to be on. They don't want to tell this story. They just want to talk about it. And I've built certain relationships based on that. Just the relatability aspect that I spoke about earlier. And that's important to me. It's important to me that they know somebody legitimately has their back and not just for clicks and views. And it's not just using them for material or using them to get the next big episode. That's why it's so important to me not to be monetized, not to take a penny, not to have a cash app, not to have a super chat. Because it's very important to me to show the people that I don't, not just talking, 
that I truly care about it, that I'm truly vested in it for reasons outside of the almighty dollar. I'm vested in this. And what I do off of YouTube is what brings me satisfaction. This is more of a venting and it's more therapeutic, to be honest. And I enjoy engaging with the commenters. I enjoy people leaving comments and I enjoy interacting. I enjoy seeing what the public has to say based on my thoughts and my words and the material I'm putting out there. I enjoy that. That's more of a personal thing. But production and what really takes place, that takes place behind the scenes. That takes place on what I'm building with WePushBack.com and what I do with Justice Tech Pros on that side in relation to uh, the legal system. That, that's what gives me satisfaction, what I'm able to achieve on those on those ends. YouTube is, it gives me more personal satisfaction. You know, it's, uh, like I said, it's therapeutic. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy uh, engaging. I enjoy answering questions. And I enjoy just sharing my thoughts. Because, uh, again, before I started coming out with, before we push back, the truth is, and whoever wants to say otherwise, they just fooling themselves, nobody was going after these informants and showing the lies, and showing examples, and showing and giving uh, the opportunity, like when I had that gentleman on who was impacted by John Panisi, and he showed the lies this guy was telling on him. Nobody was giving him that platform. Nobody was doing that. Yeah, people were doing it individually, that's for sure. If they had an informant that was affecting them, or it was a personal, yes. That, obviously, all family members are going to do that. I've seen a lot of different channels and a lot of different uh, family members in different realms talking about that. So I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the overall atmosphere of it all. There was nobody on social media and YouTube going after them on a whole and just bringing light to it. And when I mean going after them, I'm talking about just exposing what they're all about. I'm not on here abusing them, insulting them. Trust me, I don't have a lot of that to say if I wanted to, but it's... First off, it's not the format for it, and nobody wants to hear that, in my opinion. They don't want to hear me. I, I don't know. I just don't think... That's not what I'm here for. That's more for my personal life. I'll share my personal feelings on that level. What I'm here for is to to tell the public, listen, this is what they're doing. Don't let them fool you that they're you know, a good guy now, or they turned over a new leaf. I'm going to show you what they're doing as of today, after they testified, what still goes on, the words that still come out of their mouth, the threats that they still make. I'm going to be here to remind them of that. And it's going to be on WePushBack.com forever to remind them of that. And hopefully it evolves in the way that I plan for it to evolve where members could just add their own um, material. And when I say members, let me clarify because people can say, oh, we push back has members. No, no members as far as we push back. I mean allowing member access to the site. And I'm using the term member as really just a user. So if there's a user that I want to give access to the site where they can have their own module that perhaps houses the um, lying informant that affected them, that's what I mean. There'll be a user where they could populate their portion of the website that focuses on the informant they want to focus on. It'll be very user interactive. And um, uh, different people will be able to contribute in ways they want to contribute it to. So that, that's what I mean by that. And I'm not going to use the word member any longer because I could already imagine people are going to run with that. So users, users could use the site, no members. <laughs> that, that's the plan. We'll have user access with their own uh, access code. They could go in and uh, 
add to the site and enhance the site. And that's my future plans for it, where basically it's running itself. People are just assigned aspects of the site and it's running itself, it's populating itself. So that, that's really it, what I wanted to say, folks. Um, I know there's a lot of nonsense going on on YouTube and different genres. I'm going to be honest, folks, I don't really watch much anymore because I just, I got, it was just boring, number one, and it's not what I'm on YouTube for, number two. I get it, you know, uh, trust me, I get it, people going at it, that's what they want to do on YouTube, it's just not for me, so when things are not for me, I just disconnect from certain things. I still enjoy shows, don't get me wrong, I still uh, support those who support me, uh, that'll always be the case, and if I can ever help those who support me, I'm always available uh, for assistance, if I can help in any way, or, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very, I take that serious. When somebody supports me and, and somebody shows me that they're trying to do the right thing, I take my part in that role very serious. So if I could, you know, help out or I could do anything or offer advice, I, I always try to be there. I always try to be there. Even on this social media level, you know, where it's just people that I don't really know, I, I feel it's just common courtesy, right? Somebody extends a courtesy to you, you should extend the courtesy back. So that's what I, what I try to do. And I try to go to the channels I enjoy. And uh, other than that, I just keep moving. I don't pay attention to the white noise. I don't want to pay attention to uh, whatever goes on, whatever people may say about me. Uh, I'm sure every day I can find people saying stuff about me. That's life. It doesn't affect me at all. The only time I address it if is, is if I feel it's a, a lie that could have potential ramifications. Then I look to do like a memorialization episode, lay out my facts, and then I move on. You know, I don't really harp on it. I just say what I got to say, move on just to clarify. I like being memorialized. So if and when the time ever comes, I have to answer for certain things. I have it on record in real time, so to speak, how it played out. And that's it, folks. Uh, I was inspired to do this episode after my office was downloading uh, we downloaded um, uh, an episode from that lying informant, Sammy Gravano's channel, and he made a, a disclosure, supposed disclosure, and then I saw, uh, I didn't see it in real time, but I was sent certain clips of channels uh, that, that were talking about it, you know, and were just, uh, uh, I guess, reporting on it. So I wanted to just talk about that because... Uh, I know a lot of people are just shocked in the sense, as they should be the public, like how could this guy make disclosures? Uh, so I just wanted to kind of dive into that in a little more depth so people understand how it works, what could be done with those different things, and to vet them to see if they really have any validity to them. That's what's important. That's it, folks. I think that's all I got to say for today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Till next time.